welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the materials cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. issue of IOM3 Investigates. My name's Diane Aston and I'm the Head of Education and Professional Development at IOM3. You might have heard my voice before um, but this is my first time hosting a podcast and in this issue we will be exploring ESG, Environmental Social Governance. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Lindsay Davis, Sustainability Strategist at Ever Sustainable, who's going to be discussing this topic with me. Hello Lindsay! Hi, how are you doing, Diane? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. I, I hope you are too. Um, first of all, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be in the role that you're doing now? And maybe tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with Ever Sustainable. Sure. Thanks so much, Diane. I'll kind of start out a little bit about me and then I'll talk a little bit about Ever and the, the work that we do. Um, so I started my career working in the international development and NGO space. And from there, I sort of pivoted into journalism for a while. I spent several years traveling to different countries, researching and writing about a few different industries. But I developed a real kind of focus and interest, I'd say, in the mining and metal sector in particular. So I spent some time in Western Australia in the big mining town of Perth. Uh, but I think where my fascination with the sector really kind of took root was through my travels around sub-Saharan Africa. So I was mostly based uh, out of the southern region in my time there. Um, and I spent a considerable amount of time in particular in the Copper Belt between Zambia and the DRC. Uh, and the Congo in particular, it's just a fascinating place. And I think that's where I began to see how the mining sector is absolutely critical for modern living. And yet the rest of the world really pays very little attention to where those critical resources come from. Um, in Congo, I saw some really positive examples of how the sector can be a force for positive social and economic development. And I also saw where it can really fail quite miserably. And, and that's really what kind of led me to Ever Sustainable. Uh, we're an impact consultancy that helps companies, not just in the mining sector, although we do have several clients in the extractive space, um, to mitigate ESG risks facing their businesses and also to help them take advantage of the opportunities that a sustainability lens can afford to businesses. Uh, we're a relatively new business. Uh, we sit within a much older company called Design Portfolio, which is a reporting and communications agency. And over the years, we developed this sort of in-house sustainability practice because much of the sustainability agenda has been driven by reporting requirements and the so-called alphabet soup of uh, reporting standards and frameworks. Uh, but we do much more than reporting, and it's a really exciting space to be in right now because there's more emphasis than there ever has been on defining what it means to be a uh, sustainable business. I think that sounds like a really interesting, really exciting company to be working for at the moment. And I think the path that you've taken to get there sounds fascinating. You've obviously had a, a great deal of first-hand experience of how different cultures, how different countries work within the mining sphere. Now, 
some of our audience will already have a, a good understanding of, of ESG uh, and what it is. But for those um, people listening to this podcast that aren't perhaps so familiar with the concept of, of ESG, could you tell us a little bit about what it is uh, and what it means and the sorts of things that you'd be looking at? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you kind of look at the history of ESG, it really kind of stems from what we know as corporate social responsibility or responsible business. Um, so it, it's kind of the evolution, the natural evolution of of those kinds of practices and that kind of part of a business. Um, but what it's done is it's taken kind of traditional corporate social responsibility and said, actually, sustainability is kind of lies at the, the heart of a, uh, of a of a profitable and successful business. So it's, it's kind of looking not just at what a company should do um, to give back to its kind of social communities, but looking at how um, responsible behavior actually enhances the resilience of a business. So that's kind of given way to this acronym ESG, Environmental Social Governance, which ESG really, I think, has its greatest ties with the financial sector. The financial sector loves ESG. That's kind of, well, uh, I, I say that with a big caveat. ESG has come out of the financial sector, and, and it's actually a pretty hotly debated um, uh, debated topic, and we won't get into all of that. But uh, effectively, the finance sector has said um, sustainability ESG can drive um, sust- re- resilient returns, and, and we want to see businesses putting more emphasis on um, how they're embedding responsible practices, whether that's uh, their kind of environmental um, uh, responsibilities. So looking at things like pollution, contribution to climate change and mitigating greenhouse gas emissions through to kind of social topics such as how you're treating your customers, how you treat your employees and how you're engaging with your stakeholders and kind of taking into account their uh, concerns and considerations through to governance. And, and governance has always been and continues to be a really important part of, uh, of a successful business. Uh, but it's just getting to the heart of, of kind of some of those topics, such as board diversity and preventing groupthink, um, looking at remuneration, ensuring that your gender pay gap is in order, and making sure that you're doing all the right things and kind of um, uh, running a tight ship, so to speak. So that's kind of ESG and sustainability in a nutshell and, and, and where it's come from. And it's still very much an evolving space. I think we're still figuring out what it means um, in different sectors for different kinds of companies so it's 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 an evolving space and it's a really exciting and interesting space and i think it it can be looked at through two key lenses really and that's risk mitigation looking at kind of mitigating those sustainability risks Um, but more exciting and and kind of where we like to play it ever is in this opportunity space so looking at how um, different sustainability trends and, and how esg can be used to leverage new revenue streams and, and to kind of um, uh, enter new markets and, and, and really be seen as a new way of thinking about uh, a responsible economy that works for more people and, and uh, reduces its impact on the environment. Fabulous. Um, I think as consumers, we have become much more conscious about where the things that we're buying, where the things that we're using come from, that we never actually think of it as ESG as such. Um, but thinking about from a consumer point of view and industries need to bring uh, new revenue streams and so on and so forth, do you think consumer expectations are impacting upon companies' desire to really focus on this space, particularly in such as the mining sector, which, mm-hmm. let's face it, has historically had a very bad reputation for you know, many, many reasons in people's eyes. Where are we doing in terms of managing resources within the mining areas? 
Yeah, I think so. The consumer piece has definitely been a driving factor in, in the mining sector and in many different industries in, in terms of kind of um, promoting ESG and making it a more kind of bottom line sort of issue, something that CFOs are concerned about. Um, in terms of how well the mining industry and the kind of broader resources industry is doing in terms of um, kind of uh, managing ESG and approaching ESG, I think the answer to that is fairly complicated. Um, I'd start by saying it's not as bad as uh, a lot of people with kind of more limited experience with the sector seem to think. The sector absolutely has this reputation for being dirty, environmentally unfriendly and kind of greedy group of cowboys in some cases. Um, and, and, and sometimes that reputation is deserved. Uh, but the mining sector has also uh, always had to think critically about ESG issues. A lot of this stuff has already been on their radar for a very long time, and it goes to the heart of running a profitable mining operation and securing that license to operate. Um, it might have been under another name, CSR, responsible business, um, you know, whatever, whatever, however you want to frame it. But these responsibilities have been around um, uh, for longer in the sector, and, and so it's not as much of a shock. It's not as much of a um, a lot of companies and a lot of our clients in other sectors have really struggled to understand what it is and how to do it. This is just by another name uh, that what a lot of uh, mining companies have always uh, had to think about. And I think it's also important to mention that I've met a lot of CEOs and been to a lot of sites where miners very much see themselves as environmental stewards um, with a duty to take care of the land they've been entrusted with. And um, there are individuals who genuinely really care about the communities surrounding their operations and see themselves as, as partners for economic development and are are really positive forces in the countries where they operate. Um, that doesn't mean across the board that the industry, um, uh, you know, hasn't been doing as much as it could on certain initiatives like net zero, for example. Um, and, and, and in that vein, the ESG revolution, which has been driven by, you know, financiers, by uh, consumers and, and, and a couple of different forces, um, has really been, I think, an impetus to rethink and recalibrate what, sustain, what sustainable mining looks like. I really like that you said a lot of people working within the mining industry consider themselves to be advocates for the environment mm. to um, consumers in the wider public that doesn't often come across. So how do you think the industry could improve in terms of communicating their ESG goals and intentions and what should we as consumers and what should customers be looking for when we're you know looking around at the things that we that we buy yeah I think that's a really interesting story um you know kind of uh, from the clients that I've spoken to and that, that work in this space um uh, you know they're still getting a, a lot they're not sure how to tell that story they're really um they, they know they have a good story to tell and I think that's the really good news is that the mining community has a fantastic story to tell about its role in driving a sustainable economy um, uh, you know, there's a lot of materials that will facilitate electrification, the transition to um, an energy system based on renewables. Uh, we're talking about massive transformation in the way that the world economy runs. And it's going to take a lot more stuff from the ground. Uh, recycling mm -hmm. and reuse of materials will cover some of that. And I think that's an interesting topic in and of itself. Um, but it's not even close to what we're going to need to transition the economy in the way that, that that we need to. And so how can the how can miners tell that story? I think first, it's important to realize that um, people in the mainstream media are increasingly aware of miners' roles. Uh, you didn't tend to see miners cropping up in mainstream news reports in the past. Uh, maybe when something goes wrong, you might hear something, uh, but it's, it's never been kind of positive news. It's never been kind of a mainstream topic. Um, but kind of anecdotally, every morning I read my kind of morning newsletter in my, my email inbox from a kind of 
prominent mainstream news service. And I began to notice stories cropping up about the DRC, uh, which I'm kind of particularly attuned to just because I've been there and it's an interesting place to me. And uh, maybe once a month I was seeing a story. I, I, I just started to notice it. I was like, this is a bit odd. Um, so I went to their website. I, I checked their tag stories on the Congo. And in the past decade or so, there was maybe a story once a year. In the past like nine months, maybe it's been at least once a month. And I kind of took that to mean they've got people on the ground there now. And I really think they should. Uh, geopolitical tensions around resource security uh, have become a really interesting conversation. And, and that means that miners, I think, are increasingly going to find themselves as front page news. They, they are key kind of stakeholders and, and participants in this story. Um, and it also means that they're going to experience increased scrutiny from increasingly sophisticated stakeholders that are asking really tough questions. Um, and I think the question to ask yourselves is, are you ready to answer those questions? If the answer is no, then there's a lot of work that needs to be done before any kind of big claims can be made. And I think it's important that those sustainability credentials are up to scratch before you can kind of jump in and, and join the sort of sustainable future narrative. So there's a good story to tell, but you can't tell it. You can't really participate in it meaningfully if you haven't gotten your house in order. So that's kind of um, how I view the, the kind of storytelling potential, but also uh, looking at it from a little bit of a risk risk mitigation uh, lens as well. So interesting you saying you you can't do that and you can't tell the stories until you've got your house in order. How well do you think the industry is doing at doing that, at getting its getting its house in order in terms of um, electrification, in terms of addressing those perhaps social or political concerns around resource extraction? How, how far down the road are we? Yeah, I think with the mining sector, again, a, a kind of touching back on what I said, I think that um, better than some sectors because they've always had to think about it. But there's absolutely some gaps that need to be addressed. And if I think about what the mining sector in particular um, has done kind of wrong and what, what they get wrong about kind of sustainable business transformation and where they can really kind of start to improve and, and, and prepare themselves to tell that story more meaningfully. It, one of the biggest challenges for the mining and metals and kind of broader materials space is this failure to think about things from a more holistic perspective looking at that fuller picture and using what is called like a, a systems thinking lens to better address the big challenges. We so often have uh, clients that see a lot of the sustainability issues facing their industry as out of their control or beyond their sphere of influence. But that sort of boxed in thinking, it prevents us from addressing kind of cross-sector, multi-stakeholder, societal level challenges like the green transition or, um, you know, the, the climate change and all of these uh, biodiversity collapse, um, embracing a more circular way of thinking. All of these kind of big issues we can't really address meaningfully uh, if we stay in our box and we don't think about things uh, from a more systems led kind of approach. I think uh, maybe a more accessible entry point for thinking about how systems um, can be used as a framework for addressing kind of sustainable business transformation is really just rethinking uh, or, or thinking more deeply about your supply chains. So well-managed supply chains can facilitate efficient markets, the development of critical technologies that we need from things like cobalt, copper, all of these critical battery metals. Um, but the longer supply chains become, the greater chance for environmental negligence and the exacerbation of these kind of structural inequalities and power imbalances. So mining supply chains really, I think, encapsulate these benefits as well as these potential negative impacts. Um, and and the, the point here is, is before getting carried away and kind of drilling down into some of these initiatives, um, it, it's taking a more holistic look at your sustainable strategy, your sustainability strategy. 
and um, understanding where there might be opportunities to make a more meaningful or an impactful change somewhere down the line using a materiality focused lens. So making sure that those um, issues and those decisions that you're making about those issues um, are really the issues that matter the most and are contributing to those big challenges and, and not kind of putting your tunnel tunnel vision on. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we do have a tendency to have a siloed approach to looking down um, the supply chain. So where do you think some of those other industries, those other sectors that are further downstream could really learn from what the mining industry has been doing it, doing it, albeit quite quietly, perhaps um, mm. over the last you know, however many years, how could other industries learn from that? What could the mining industry do to support those people further down their supply chain in getting their own house in order? Yeah, I think um, I think that's really about sort of transparency and supporting with um, provenance of, of the material. So that, that's one of the big challenges that these downstream sectors, such as, um, you know, the automotive industry um, are experiencing is, is the ability to uh, claim transparency and kind of traceability of the materials in their in their supply chains. Um, and I think not to say that the mining sector has exactly figured that out. I don't think anyone's really figured that out and done it well yet, although there are a lot of exciting initiatives and a lot of work that, you know, don't want to take away from the work that's been done um, adopting technologies like, you know, blockchain and AI to try and um, create these systems for mapping, uh, mapping supply chains. Um, uh, but I think that it, it's going to take those stakeholders working together. And I think that's probably the lesson that can be taken away from um, from the mining sector, from these other industries that are having to work with the mining sector and, and maybe previously um, uh, didn't put as much kind of focus on that relationship. Um, miners have always had to have, uh, well, successful miners have always had really strong stakeholder engagement programs in place. They've had people on the ground uh, speaking with the government, speaking with local communities, speaking with their suppliers, having a really robust um, communications and relationship management um, approach to the business is something miners have always had to do to be successful, particularly if operating in kind of more complex environments. And I think that that stakeholder management approach can be leveraged um, across the supply chain and, and, and kind of at the end of the supply chains as well. So I think a lot of industries are going to need to be a bit more proactive about reaching out and, and having those relationships and, and, and having that oversight of their supply chains. And, and miners have kind of more traditionally been better at having those relationships just because they really needed to. So it, it's, it's about creating more visibility across the supply chain pulling some of those lessons from the miners themselves and the kind of immediate sphere of influence and, and increasing that across the entire supply chain. Thank you. We've talked quite a bit about what, what the mining industry has been doing right mm -hmm. and where they've been going um, down the ESG route very successfully. But what are some of the biggest gaps that you've seen in addressing sustainability? Mm, I think um, I'm not seeing a lot of kind of meaningful or comprehensive alignment with the ideals of what's called a, a just transition. So this is the idea that the greening of the economy shouldn't leave um, anyone behind or disproportionately impact vulnerable communities. And in the context of the mining sector, the just transition, it's a sort of avenue to sense check environmental ambitions and make sure there aren't uh, knock on effects. Um, so looking at, you know, all of those decisions that you make around net zero and, and 
let's take, for example, um, decisions around suppliers and trying to reduce your scope three emissions, um, making sure that when you do make those decisions and you say, OK, right, this supplier isn't meeting our criteria to reduce our emissions, um, not just nixing your relationship with that uh, supplier, but looking at how you can improve that value chain. Because if it's a it's a local supplier, then you're, you know you're cutting off a major source of revenue for them. So I think it's really important that um, when you're, you're you're using that just transition lens, you're able to kind of see those those kinds of decisions more clearly. Um, another way that you can see the just transition being a useful lens is um, making sure that the financial benefits that may be gained from many commodity booms associated with this kind of need for new battery metals um, is also supporting the economic development of the nations where they come from. Um, and that that's, you know, that's not a new question. That's not a new concern. Uh, but I think if we talk about it in the context of just transition, maybe we can find new ways of of talking about that issue and, and, um, and, and starting to address it more meaningfully. So this idea of looking after the communities that are actually in the areas where the mining is happening, um, I think is something that has been on people's mind for, for a while. How, how do you suggest perhaps that companies go about addressing that if it's something that even after a long time is, is still an issue? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, that's been one of the most interesting areas where I've seen a lot of kind of variance in how companies approach that particular particular issue. Um, you've seen everything from kind of um, very basic, you know, we're building you a school. Here's the school. Um, no, no engagement, no kind of conversation or dialogue through to really kind of robust um, relationships that are built on participation. So there's a real wide spectrum in how companies do this. And I think there's a real need to talk to people across the sector, maybe talk to each other more around what effective engagement and effective kind of social um, programs look like. Uh, I think that's that's kind of one area is this kind of um, uh, range of approaches. Where I've seen it done well, and I think or rather an area where I think that can be done better is greater participation across a greater range of people. So when you go into a community, a lot of times there, there may be a local leadership team and you go and you sit with that local leadership team. But um, I think there's a need to sort of understand the wider needs of that community and, and have um, other kind of feet on the ground there. So you're not just um, effectively I've seen relationships where um, it becomes a bit of a it can can lead to corruption, maybe not intentionally. But if you're only engaging with those leadership members, then you're not really meeting the needs of the wider uh, community. If that kind of leadership team in that community is not does not have the best interests of the wider community at heart. So I think having a, a, a more kind of nuanced approach and, and understanding the cultural context of where you go and having people that are from those communities to lead those kind of engagements is really, really important and not just kind of. Um, walking in and thinking you're going to figure it out in a day. It's really important to have um, people that can kind of talk you through that and make sure that you're understanding um, uh, what the situation on the ground is, what the context on the ground is. So it's much more of a collaborative approach yeah, to absolutely. that operation. Um, so going forward, ESG is something that companies are obviously having, um, it is much higher on their agenda. Um, it's something that's more in the, the the general eye of the public now. So where do you see some of the perhaps ESG related opportunities 
for the sector going forward. One of the really exciting things about sustainability in the mining sector, uh, sustainability has in many ways acted as a catalyst for many of these technology trends and buzzwords that we've been hearing about in the industry for a while. Digitization, mechanization, automation, all these kind of uh, efficiency saving technologies um, also have sustainability benefits in terms of reducing health and safety risk or optimizing recoveries whilst reducing the impacts on the environment. So sustainability has kind of become part of the business case for investing into these technologies that companies just haven't been able to justify in the past. Um, and I think that in and of itself is a huge opportunity. Um, but I also think we're seeing and we're seeing this play out, I think, in, in a big mining to a degree already. This kind of new focus on the benefits of technology and kind of embrace of technology it could allow the sector to position itself in a different light in terms of attracting top talent. Um, we all see what's happening in the tech sector right now, lots of layoffs happening. Um, and as that industry sort of recalibrates itself, I think the mining sector should really be jumping in there and talking about the tech opportunities in this industry. Because I, for one, think that's a really exciting space to be in for anyone that's kind of working in the tech space and also wants to be kind of part of a responsible, sustainable future. What better place than the mining industry? And I think that really um you know, goes back to that storytelling piece. The sector needs to be able to talk about its role. It needs to be able to talk about how it's uh, playing that role in a sustainable future responsibly. And I think the tech will be a big part of that um, and telling that story about the tech and how it's enabling a more responsible um, kind of mind of the future is a really interesting and powerful story that can have real benefits in terms of um, plugging that talent gap, uh, talent um, pipeline gap that we often see in the sector that we see is, is a big challenge. So uh, I think that's one of the big kind of ESG related opportunities that the sector should absolutely be looking at. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think when you talk to people about mining, their, their view of it is a very historical view. And sadly, young people considering careers um, at school leaving age or, or graduate level still are influenced by those opinions of their um, their relatives and what have you. Do you think that these new opportunities, mining isn't all about just being at the cool face, as it were. It's about the industries that are around that and support that. Do you think there's enough emphasis at the moment on shouting about those things, that AI, that robotics, that high tech stuff is the way that's going to help catalyse that change? Do you think we're doing the right things to educate that next generation of people going into the industry to tell them, you know, this is a sustainable, responsible industry to come and work in that underpins everything else? Yeah, I, I think that it's definitely an area that can be done better. The mining sector, even by, you know, uh, people that work in consulting space at work and, and, and kind of, you know, the finance sector, um, mining is still just not well understood by those mm -hmm. kind of groups of individuals, let alone students and kind of younger generations. Um, I think that the mining industry has a lot of kind of rebranding work to do in a way. And I think that it's really important that every company across the supply chain, you know, whether it's suppliers, the big supplying companies uh, are kind of, um, you know, equipment manufacturers and, and all those guys, um, everyone has a role to play in telling that story and everyone has a role to play in making sure that that reputation is upheld. Um, so, you know, to be able to tell that story meaningfully, we do need to make sure that we're having less kind of uh, incidents that come to the news and that's all that the mining industry becomes known for. And I think that 
part of that is, again, it goes back to that kind of um, community engagement piece and making sure that um, when you are engaging with communities, you're not just doing it because you want the license to operate. You want to you know, make sure that they don't get in the way of your operations. But you're looking at that community as a resource and you're looking at those kind of surrounding schools and, and, and kind of young people and saying, you know, these are people that might work on the mine in the future. And we a you know want them to come work here, uh, and b we want to train them up so that they're adequately prepared for the the mine of the future for the way that the the the, the direction that operations are taking, um, and I think that's a really interesting opportunity to take your CSR budget, take your kind of community and ch charitable giving budget, and and look at it and and think about how it can work harder. So instead of investing um, that money into kind of something that's chosen quite randomly. Um, uh, look at the needs of, of the local community and look at the needs of the mine and see how they match up and, and invest in education, invest in AI. You're not saying I'm only investing in, in kind of mining specific uh, uh, education, but if you're being a positive um, contributor to the communities where you operate and um, you're enabling uh, students to take on that kind of STEM uh, education and, and to improve themselves, then you're creating a natural flow of talent, a, a natural pool of talent. If you're a good employer and you're somewhere that someone wants to work um, and you've invested in that education, you've got a pipeline of people that have grown up around those kinds of environments, um, then you've got a natural pool of talent to, to, to look at it for the future. So I think it's taking that kind of long term thinking and, and being kind of uh, more involved in the communities from a kind of uh, a business lens, not just looking at it as, a, oh, we have to do this, but looking at it from a kind of how do we um, make sure that this is also positive business choice and decision so, Lindsay, this has been a, an absolutely fascinating conversation. It's it's opened my eyes a great deal um, and it's obviously something that you're very passionate about. So given your experience of ESG, given your travels around the globe to see mining in lots of different countries, in lots of different communities, um, where do you think ESG will be going and what do you think will be the um, next big things in terms of strategy that will be on the agenda in the next five years or so? Sure. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you guys today. Um, to answer your question, so ESG is here to stay, I think. Uh, I would say that because I'm employed there. But um, I, I do think it, it's it's kind of um, increasingly just embedded into the way uh, businesses operate. So I think that um, it, it's going to become part and parcel of doing business. And it, it always has been for the mining industry. We've kind of discussed that. Um, and I think it's just been a really good opportunity for the sector to rethink and kind of uh, maybe learn from other sectors and, and, and kind of creating cross-sector conversation. That's one of, the, I think, the, the beautiful things about ESG and sustainability conversations is how it's really spurred cross-sector discussion. Um, and, and I think in terms of the mining sector's focus for the next five years and that sustainability agenda, a couple of key topics come to mind. Um, one, and, and this is just top of mind for, for everyone, is, is climate change, the climate crisis and, and how to address it. Um, I think that the sector is making moves to decarbonize, uh, but it needs to move a bit quicker. We need to see, um, uh, you know, more immediate abatement of, of operational emissions. The sector has a major role to play in, in kind of um, providing the materials for um, uh, the wind industry, the solar industry, um, electrification. And it's really important that we decarbonize those supply chains so that we're not kind of contributing to the problem even as we try to fix it. So I think decarbonization and climate risk are going to be um, big ones. I think also um, the topic that's really coming up the agenda more broadly and, and is absolutely one that goes to the heart of the mining industry is the biodiversity um, crisis. So biodiversity collapse and 
um, the, the importance of the natural world or natural resources, um, it, it, the mining sector um, is right alongside a lot of those resources. And its relationship with the land needs to be kind of um, top of mind and something that um, organizations are really uh, thinking about more critically. Uh, we're starting to see a lot of companies with biodiversity uh, strategies and, and thinking about that in a way that um, they haven't done before is kind of holistically. Um, but I think that that's going to be an area where um, the sector really needs to, to focus and improve upon. Um, and, and kind of as a third final point, the resource curse, kind of uh, social inequality, economic inequality around the globe is uh, a huge challenge that the sector um, has always kind of had to, to uh, contend with. And I, I don't think that's going to go away at all. I think that's going to become more and more heated. I think the a final point that the mining sector will really need to contend with in terms of its ESG agenda um, falls more under that social um, kind of category in ESG. And that's really looking at kind of economic inequality and, and, and how the sector contributes to the economies where um, where it operates. Um, it's it's a question that's always been front of mind, the resource curse and, and kind of resource nationalism. All of these are trends that are on the rise and and um, that, that haven't really been dealt with meaningfully yet. Um, so I think and I think actually the climate crisis is a really good opportunity to also address that issue. So it's this idea of the just transition, this marriage of environmental and social issues and looking at how they interact with each other. Um, so I think that um, rather than thinking in silos, all of these issues uh, need to be thought about and how they interact with each other, how they intersect um, and how they change and influence um, outcomes. So I think that the sector um, will, will need to think about those three challenges and they need to think about how they interact with each other in order to come up with solutions. And they'll need to engage with each other, um, with other kind of with governments uh, and with wider stakeholders to, to address those challenges because we, we can't do it on our own. And they are three massive challenges, um, which I, I think we'd love to explore in further podcasts. So watch this space for for issues around social responsibility and decarbonisation and biodiversity. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today. It's been uh, a pleasure chatting with you. Um, thank you for working with us on IOM3 Investigates. And we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you so much, Diane. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed chatting and uh, um, thanks for having me on the show. For more information about us, visit iom3.org. Or to keep up to date with our latest news, follow us on social media using at iom3 on Twitter and at the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining on LinkedIn. If you're interested in our upcoming podcasts or want to get involved, please subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify.